Do you, do you get that a little bit? There's Saul's uncle. It just says uncle there. Now, I'm not going to really be real dogmatic about this, but I think he's he, there's a chance, there's a good chance, there's a chance that he could be Ner. Ner will come in handy here pretty shortly, but uh, it's Saul's uncle, and uh, he wants to know, hey, what Samuel say to you? He's really interested, isn't he? You know, please tell me, but uh, you know, he said the donkeys had been found. But he didn't tell him about the kingdom, which Samuel had mentioned. Uh, Samuel's going to anoint him as king, and of course as it develops there, we know the story on that, right? So there's a good chance this uncle is Ner, and you'll say, okay, what difference does that make? Well, I think it can help. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but it's easy to see why. Ner, if this is Ner, that he might be interested in Saul's encounter with Samuel, and we, we get that. And we know that Saul's success by becoming king will likely spell success for the family as well. Um, it is likely that his son is Abner, which happens to be Saul's cousin, who becomes commander of the armed forces. Let's go to 1 Samuel 14. 50 and 51. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the captain of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Hmm. So Abner was Saul's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. The name of the captain of Saul's army is Abner. Okay, we're getting that. We know that, right? We've ran into him before. He's the son of Ner. <clears throat> now, the thing is, in the other chapter, in chapter 10, Bill read that, right? We didn't see Uncle Ner. Right. We just saw uncle. uncle. And he could have a lot of brothers. But I think knowing what we know and what we see, it could very well be him because we notice that Abner is the uh, son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Abner and Saul are what? Related. Cousins. Yeah. And so, and he is a, uh, a military commander, you know. I mean, he is a man that is a fighter. Um, so Saul appoints him that. Now, verse 51, Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner was the father of Abner, and the son of Abel. So that's why I arrive at, here's the possibility, and it would make sense, a lot of things run into the family here. Here you have Saul, and he has his um, nephew, or I mean cousin, being the commander. Now David is going to have relatives also that are going to play in high positions. So are we getting that so far? Does that kind of help? Uh, now, 
Abner doesn't appear until David's encounter. His name appeared there. But in chapter 17, and just to save a little bit of time, you remember the story with Goliath? And Saul was offering anybody you know, quite a reward if they would go and defeat Goliath. Because therefore they wouldn't have to fight him. And that means Saul was certainly not going to fight Goliath. Nobody wanted to fight Goliath. Well, how about your commander of your whole army? How about sending him? Well, he had a chance, but he didn't go. He just stayed back, just like Saul did. Nobody else went, but who? David. And of course, we know that's where his fame really, really gets kicked off and into gear. Uh, nobody would stand up to Goliath, and everybody was frightened, and I would call it cowardice. Well, not anybody could stand up to Goliath, because if you lose, then your whole army has to become submissive to the to theirs. Yeah, but why would you care? Because you'd be dead anyway. Uh, not, like, uh, not like you'd be losing anything else. Still, like, you know, there might be a slight sense of, you know, <clears throat> cursing on them on me. <laughs> you know, they'd be pretty mad at me. But you'd be dead. I'd be dead, yeah. So, that's, that's pretty well the thinking on it there, isn't it? So, we advance up. They'll take 55, ver, of chapter 17, verse 55 through 57. Chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. It says, um, as Saul watched David go out to meet the Philistines, he said to Abner, Commander of the army Abner, whom son is that young man? Abner replied, As surely as you live, O king, I do not know. The king said, Find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistines' head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. We remember the story well, don't we? Does Abner know David? Well, if he didn't before, he does now. And he'll never forget him. Uh, who would ever forget him? But he's the one that brings him right up to Saul. Who, who did that? You know, I mean, David is really being introduced to the king. Uh, Abner's been sitting on the sidelines, and this young man, David, he's bringing up there and said, you know, with his head in his hand. I did it. I did it. Yep. So what's fascinating is that David is a war hero. Abner is the commander of the Israel's army, and through his military victories, David uh, wins respect from his fellow Israelites and fellow commanders. In chapter 18, verse 30, it talks about that. If you're looking at 18, verse 13, it says, uh, Saul removed him from his presence and appointed him as commander of a thousand. And he went out and came before the people. That's that's David, a commander of a thousand. Would, 
Would Abner be recognizing this? Absolutely. You know, he's he's the commander and he's one of the commanders of a thousand. So he's highly ranked, David is. Uh, if we look in verse 30, a little bit further there, we get then the commander of the Philistines went out to battle and it happened as often as they went out that David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul. So his name was highly esteemed. I mean, he's been outshining Abner all the way through. I tend to think Abner probably is uh, slightly jealous of all this, wouldn't you think? Well, anyway, a little bit worried about his job. Mm. And that really helps as we progress through this study of Abner. Getting deranked. Mm. Uh, he never wants to lose position, right? Right. So. David and Abner know each other very well, don't they? He knows him. Uh, Abner may have been more involved in David's life than we would really like to know, honestly. Um, do you remember that... Uh, look in 1 Samuel 24.9. Do you remember that there was a time when... Uh, well, we know that David spared Saul's life many times. And in verse 9, or at least a couple times, you know, we know it directly. David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men saying, Behold, David seeks to harm you? Somebody was feeding him false information. That's what David understands, so he puts it forth. Somebody's doing that. He never says who that is. And so we can't really say for sure, but it's very possible that the commander, which is right underneath the king here, could be putting things into the ear of Saul. Not trying to read into it. I know it probably might look like that, but I think there's good reason to. You know, I don't like to read between the lines, but it's a story, and I think if we read and read into read the text. I think out of this text we can see what's inside of it. I'm implying this. I'm not dogmatic about it. So well, I mean, yeah. you know, the case is bit since as soon as Saul dies, Abner is you know, taking the sun, repositioning players yeah. and then gathering his army and trying yeah, and just taking, taking you know, moving out. He's basically trying to be king underneath the king. He's trying to be the leader, underneath the leader. He's trying to line up all the power. Uh, he actually holds all the power, but not uh, looking like it. But that uh, is what chapter 2 and 3 is really about. Yeah. That is it. In a nutshell. It is summed it all up. That's what's going on. David is the one that Samuel anointed. Saul then is killed in battle. And course the suicide thing happened and Abner now is the one who is actively resisting David's appointment as king in Saul's known? place what's that would Abner have known that David was anointed king oh yeah yeah uh, many know that uh, Saul knows it Jonathan knows that I mean I think uh, well even that one renegade uh, Ammonite uh, yeah, right, right. Uh, that we looked at you know the 
he probably knew about that. I mean, it's gotten around. Everybody knows about David. They know what he's doing in his own renegade ways. You know, has his own army. You know, this would be quite known all around southern Israel. This is like day-to-day celebrity. They, they know all about oh, David. Oh, yeah, certainly. He's supposed to be the next one. Mm-hmm. Did you see what he was wearing? Did you see what he said? Did you, did you, did you know that this is what David was doing here, over there? Are that true? Exactly. Like, exactly. So, you know... Saul gets some false information, not blaming all of that on Abner, of course, but uh, David was was made to look like an adversary. And so people were believing Saul and they were following what he was doing. But many knew the uh, who David was, but remember, he had a lot of people against him when they shouldn't have been. So he's had a lot of things said about him that were not true. So the next question we ask is, where was Saul? Or where was Abner when Saul died? Nowhere to be found. Matter of fact, after a certain section here in Samuel, you don't see anything about Abner. Uh, when the dust settles, Abner is still alive, and so is Ishbosheth, uh, one of Saul's sons, and the other Saul's sons had uh, were killed in battle. So it's interesting how all of that kind of works there. Well, that is Abner. Now, does that kind of help as we move along? Well, we have to get the story on Joab here, because he's quite a character too. There's a lot of really admirable things about him. But, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, when you see a Western, you, cowboys and Indians and such, or the the robbers and the and the and the good guy, the sheriff or whatever, who always wears the black hat, the bad guy, who always wears the white hat, the good guy. Joab is kind of like a good guy, bad guy. Wears a white hat a lot of the times, but, it's actually gray. but sometimes yeah, it's a little gray there. Yeah, it's maybe not real white here, but. Uh, it's interesting to see maybe his character too. And what, what happens when you uh, see somebody in the Bible, you get to take them apart. And what it really brings out to us is that, yeah, we have our own battles too. And sometimes we wear the white hat, sometimes it's kind of gray. Uh, that's what we see when we study mankind. And so we get to go in and just kind of expose him a little bit. Actually, God is the one who exposes. We just kind of discover it. Um, Joab is first mentioned in 1 Samuel 26, 20, or, or verse 6, 26, 6, says, Then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? Uh, well, he's introduced here indirectly. Mm-hmm. He happens to be the brother of Abishai. Do you guys remember Abishai? David says, let's go to the camp. All the, the enemy there, all the Israelites there, all around in a circle, and Saul and his commander, which is Abner, which we just studied there, is with him in the middle. And Abishai, as the guy says, I'll go with you. 
And what's his idea? To go kill Saul. I mean, he's ready to do it. He's going to help two guys against thousands. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're in the middle. A nighttime here. And we know God gives them a divine anesthetic and they all go to sleep. So it's really God's desire. Otherwise, David and Abishai would have been killed. But there it is. We know that Joab has a brother by the name of Abishai. And we'll learn in a moment here that he has two brothers. There's three of them that are involved in this deal. Um, Anyway, Abishai will kill Saul if he wasn't forbidden by David, and he was. And the point here is not that it's Abishai uh, here that we're dealing with, but it's Joab's brother. It's Joab that we're focusing on here. He's probably better known of the two, Joab is, or at least later on. It's the first time we run into his name. So, are you still with me? Are we okay here? We're running into a lot of names, a lot of situations, but almost all of this we've covered before. So it helps as we build up. Now, how is he related to David? Well, now we go over to 1 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Chronicles 2, 12. Uh, uh, oh, and it starts with Boaz. Ruth and Boaz. Who's supposed to be in in that family? David, which later is going to be the Messiah coming from that same line, right? So we start with Boaz. Boaz became the father of Obed. Sound familiar? And Obed became the father of Jesse. Jesse happens to be the father of who? Of Eliab, his firstborn, and Abinadab the second, Shemiah the third, Nethanel the fourth, Radai the fifth, are you ready? Ozem the sixth, David the seventh. Remember that? There is David in that line of Ruth and Boaz, and their sisters were, here's David's sisters, Zeriah. And Abigail, now it's not the Abigail that becomes married to David, it's a sister. And the three sons, catch this, of Zeruiah, the three sons of David's sister, Zeruiah, are Abishai, Joab, and Ashael. Abigail bore Amasa, and the father of Amasa was Jether, the Ishmaelite. Knows her. That's another story. We don't have time to get into it, but that's very interesting too. I'll tell you, God can put together a story, can He? Read the Bible. <laughs> You'll get excited. Read the names in the Bible and take you on a journey. Mm. They'll take you through rabbit trails and everything else, <laughs> but you'll come back to that one main line, which is pointing to Christ, right? But those little rabbit trails are really interesting. So, what have we gained out of this? David has... Could you call him a nephew? He would be a nephew, right? Well, he has a sister. By Zer- uh, his name is, uh, her name is Zariah, and she has three sons. So, he has a nephew. And we know that Joab is a commander of David's army, later on anyway. Um, so, evidently, how did they join together in this? Would you remember whenever David had to go to that cave of Adullam 
and you remember his family, the relatives all went with him. Chances are a lot of them said, we got to get out of here. We're kin to David. Or they got threatened. They didn't like the way things were going and being ran. So they moved to the state of Adjulam where they had better better chance. Anyway, probably it was some of these people right here that were there with him. And that would probably make sense in that... Joab becomes a commander of his army. And later on, he will be the commander of the army. So let's go to 1 Chronicles <laughs> chapter 11, verse 6. Are you guys still with me? Uh, I know, I forgot my pictures. They're back at the house. Now David had said, whoever strikes down a Jebusite first shall be chief and commander. Joab, the son of Zariah, remember that? Zariah, this happens to be his nephew, Mm -hmm. went up first. So he became chief. He did it. He went down there and struck the Jebusite. You know what they gained there? We we studied about that uh, the other day, but we're dealing with here the city of David or Mount Zion. This is the place where David will soon rule from, the city of David, which later becomes known as the. Well, they are going, they will take over Jerusalem. Jebusites, they lived there. And Joab is the one that. Is responsible here, and he became the command. He earned it. You could say, "Well, it's nepotism." No, he said, "Whoever does this, they will become commander." That's how he became it. So he's got to be quite a fighter, doesn't he? I wonder if David was proud of his nephew. Yeah. I think the nephew. That too. That would Yeah, they were inspired. Okay, well, let's go to Second Samuel chapter 10, which is further along than where our text is for the night. Second Samuel 10, verse 9. And this is 9 through 14, and could you relieve me of there a little bit of Bill again? 9 through 14, Second Samuel 10. There we go. Uh-oh. Joab saw that there was a battle line in front of him and behind him. So he selected some of the best troops in Israel to deploy them against the Arameans. He put put the rest of the men under the commander of Abishai, his brother, and deployed them against the Ammonites. And then you said through 11? Joab said, If the armies are too strong for me, then you are to come to my rescue. But if the armies are too strong for you, then I will come to rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in His sight. So keep on, take two more verses, 13 through 14. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Armenians. And they fled before him. When the Ammonites saw that the Armenians were fleeing, they fled before Abishai and went inside the city. So Joab returned from fighting the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. 
Now that's one of his victories right there. And you notice that you got two brothers named there, don't you? Abishai, remember, that's the one David uh, you know, took down into the camp. And here's Joab. And they're more or less leading this thing. And that it's a triumphant victory. Beat the uh, uh, these Ara- Arameans. They, they have them fleeing, don't they? And it, it is. Uh, and I wish they would have said that. Uh, well, or it's the Ammonites, the Syrians, yeah. and others. They're really what it is. And 14 okay. calls them Ammonites, and then the 15 it says that when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's really Wait, what they are. Excuse me. We, today we would know them as Syrians. Yeah, there's people from Syria, right? <laughs> so. Um, I would say that he is a very great military leader. Uh, we know that uh, he's a great warrior uh, through all of this and this kind of thing. Uh, he defeats the Ammonite royal city of Rabbah. You know, in chapter 12, he urges David to come and get the glory for himself. He, he takes, uh, I'm not going to go there and read there, but he takes the city, Rabbah, and he doesn't take any credit at all. He encourages that David take it. So he's not a man of great pride here in this sense. He wants David to be exalted even more. So that David and his kingship would become known more and more. And so he gives himself up a little bit though. Uh, do you remember when David foolishly ordered uh, a number of the, to number the people? And in his pride, you know who it was that said, "No, don't do that." Joab. Joab. So he's got a good characteristic behind him, doesn't he? Good qualities. Um, I think he has discernment. David and Absalom. Absalom happens to be the brother or a son of David, who rebelled against David. Absalom is absolute bad news, and and we know that uh, he is the one that arranged for a wise woman from, it was Tekoa, to get together with David. And she was to tell him a story, and David was supposed to deal with in getting back together with his son Absalom. And David gets this message, and you know I think you see that there's discernment that happens here that he realizes that Joab must be behind this uh, this charade that's going on. But Joab's plan was not self-serving. It was for the good of David and his son. It was for reconciliation. So he's a warrior who has also a heart for David and his family, and he wants to see the best there. A lot of good things involved there, right? Um, so anyway, Jacob deals severely later on though with Absalom in a very severe way that he handles him and David turns around to be the one that's soft hearted and, you know, out of the whole deal. And so, um, there was violence connected with Joab. He did, uh, Jacob. Jacob? I actually said that. Joab. Joab, Jacob, Joshua, Jonathan, JJJJJ, Justin, Josh, Jackson. Good Lord Almighty. To wrap up all those names.
oh, I'm not the one be doing something like this. It comes to names. Okay. So Joab, now that David had to come and rescue him a few times. Is what your last thought was? Well, actually, Joab. Uh, when he came to Absalom. When he came to Absalom, he dealt with him very severely. I mean, we could we could go that if you'd want to. Second Samuel eleven six. Look at it real quick. Or did we read that? No. David sent to Joab saying, "Send me Uriah the Hittite." So Joab sent Uriah to David. You know what happened with that? You know what we're going with that? We don't have to read this, right? He, he's the one that really gets him killed. David gave the order and actually Joab went along with it. Which is kind of a shame. You know, he could have said, David, David, do you know what you're doing? I'm not going to be part of that. You know, he could have done that. He didn't. Um, David and Bathsheba. Oh, there's another one, but we're running out of time. Okay. <laughs> Joab's two brothers and, and, and Abner. Okay. There's a few incidents in which Joab and Abner confront one another. And this is where we go to our second Samuel, and you're into chapter two and verses twelve uh, following there, you you get uh, through seventeen. What amounts to civil war, and here's where it starts between the north and the south. Uh, and I think this really kind of shapes it up for later on. After Solomon, you have a division of the north and south, and from there on, uh, you have Israel, the, the ten tribes, and then Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes. And uh, we know that doesn't go well. This doesn't go well. There's a contest. And I'll just kind of sum it up, uh, not really uh, reading it through here, but you can kind of follow as you want to read on your own with me here. Um, Joab, or, uh, Joab is challenged by Abner. To the, Each one of them had 12 men, and they were going to come and fight each other. 12 for Benjamin and... Ishabeth, the son of Saul, and twelve of the servants of David, in verse 16, each one of them seized his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in the opponent's side so they fell down together. All twelve on both sides went down. They killed each other. See, whatever, whoever won there, that was supposed to be it, and they would have a great, uh, finally, uh, a peace, right? That was the idea of Abner doesn't happen that way. They all die. And you know what? It never would have happened anyway. Even if one side wins, you know, you have somebody left or whatever out of that, uh, they're going to go against the other, the opposing army. Uh, it wasn't a really a, a good plan. And as a result of this, they continue on as a war. David's side... And then Benjamin at this time happens to be with the other northern tribes, really. And it goes on and on. And you'll notice verse 18, we've got to get this. The three sons of Zeruiah, remember that? We already read that. That happens to be David's sister. Were, and here's the nephews. There, Joab and Abishai. And we know Abishai. We know Joab. And Asahel. 
And Asahel, Asahel was as swift-footed as one of the gazelles which is in the field. This guy can run. I mean, he can run the, the 100 meter in 10.1. I mean, this guy can fly. And he's going, actually, Abner gets away. There's a momentary victory here with, uh, Judah, Judah's side, David's side, right? A momentary victory. And, uh, Asahel, which is one of the three brothers, says, I can catch him. He doesn't know who he's going up against. This is the mighty champion, Abner, who sometimes is, well, kind of steps back. <laughs> but not this time. He, he's trying to tell. And, he, and Asahel is, he knows he's right on behind him. Asahel's going to try to kill him. And Abner says, please don't do that. You know, go ahead and get somebody else and, and you know, we'll, we'll call it even. Just, you know... He's saying, stay away, I'll kill you. You know, as what he said. And I don't want to fall into uh, ill will with your two brothers, which is uh, Joab and Abishai. Um, and so it, it turned out that uh, he didn't listen at all. This is the, probably the youngest brother. Uh, verse 23, however, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck him in the belly with the butt end of the spear so that the spear came out at his back, and he fell there and died on the spot. And it came about that all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. He did it with the butt of his spear. This man, Abner, is mighty. He is strong to take the butt end of it and shove it completely through his whole body, front and back. I mean, I'm wondering how fast this guy is running and... Where, is this guy like on a horse or something? No, they are going up to a high place where they would have good defense and make things a little more even because right now they're on the run. Abner and his guys are on the run, but you know Abner... Saying, like, are they on the, you think they're on the run on foot? Yeah, they're on foot. They're on foot. Um, and, and it's like, you know, what, what chance does this young man have? What's he doing this? Well, you know, he's one of the three brothers. You know, all those other guys that are gung-ho, you know, well, this, he's even more so. But he underestimated Abner is incredible. Very strong. And that's why it says that. He took the butt in. Now, I don't know if he's trying to do that and not try to run the spear totally through him, but enough to get him back. I don't know. Even Whatever it was, to get that through somebody, uh, he had to really thrust it, though, didn't he? So, uh, now you have Joab and Abishai. I think that was done in a way that he wasn't even considering him a fair opponent. In other words, he was... Could be. He knew he could beat him. You know, and he didn't want to. He well, really didn't want to do that. The jealousness of that kid that he could do that with him because he was no... Mm. It was kind of letting them know that he didn't even do it in a defensive way. He did it as an offense. Just pushed him back with it. Right. Okay. So what you have here now is Abner is was fully up to that kind of challenge. And anyway, Abner and his men now they reposition themselves. They're on the run, and they go up this hill. And Abner then, or uh, yeah, Abner speaks to Joab, telling him, "Hey, listen. Let's let's see Spire here." <laughs> 
you know, we're, we're all going to be, you know, killing each other. And, you know, so he more or less makes a little deal with him. Joab uh, blows the trumpet. All the people halt and pursue the Israel no longer, nor do they continue to fight anymore, at least at that time. And so that's, that was the end of that battle for that time. And uh, we know that it says in verse 31, the servants of David had struck down many of Benjamin and Abner's men so that 360 men died. They took up Asahel, buried him in his father's tomb, which is in Bethlehem. Um, okay, and that's, you see where they're from. Where's David from? Bethlehem. Here's, you know, like, you know, his extended family on out. They're all from around that area. The house of bread where Jesus was born, and Joab and his men went all night until the day had dawned at Hebron. So they returned back to the city, uh, which is where David is at now, right? That's that's their place, their, their home. So you have an agreement made, and now we get into verse 6 through the rest of the chapter in 3. Got five minutes. So what we're going to do is cover this pretty quick. What we're going to do is show, we've now looked at Abner, we've looked at Joab. Abner is from the, you know, Ishbosheth, and uh, Joab is from uh, King David's. So, what you have is Abner has been taking advantage of the state of war between Israel and Judah. He's been taking care of that. And he's the commander of the Israeli army. And throughout history, we know that wars have been prolonged many times because there are people, believe it or not, who profit from wars. Do you find that fascinating? Men dying and people making profit off of it? That's the nature of wicked man. Um... Abner's going to change his mind and his allegiance here pretty shortly. Uh, there are two points that we're going to make on this real quick. Saul's house is losing strength. Okay, it's losing ground. Number two, Abner controls Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth really is a puppet king. He's running the. It's kind of like today in our country, where every time you see our president of the United States of America speaking behind him, is a vice president that everybody knows that, and he's even called her president, which I find fascinating. That it's kind of in that situation. I think people are seeing really who's controlling this, or are there other people controlling in our country besides her? Uh, yeah, I think there's a bunch of them. I don't, uh, and a lot of people do not have enough sense to be able to run anything, to run even their own household. What's that? Right, and you might have to go outside of our country to find out really who's behind a lot of this. But you have figureheads, right? Well, that's all Ishbosheth is, even though he's the son of Saul. And I think what you have here is a guy by the name of Abner that takes advantage of, what do we call that? Opportunist. I'm an opportunist, and that's what we're going to try to put forth here. He becomes very bold in his actions, and, and I know I'm cutting through here. I don't have time to read all the, 
39 verses, and you might want to kind of read as I'm saying this, but there's a Rizpah, which happens to be one of Saul's concubines. He takes one of Saul, King Saul's concubines to himself. And to be real honest with you, it's not so much about sex as it is a symbol. It's a symbolic act because it's declaring his right to rule in Saul's place. Now he is officially saying, since he has the concubine of Saul, he's the king. Basically is what's happening. If you look in 2 Samuel 16 and 1 Kings 2, you'll find out that that's kind of how it works. Abner personally installs Ishbosheth as king, and it now appears he's brushing everything aside, all, all pretense, and becomes king himself. Uh, Ishbosheth is distressed by what Abner does here in his actions, and he asks for an explanation. He's the king, and he asks for an explanation. Well, how does he come back at it? Well, he's very angry that he would even ask what he's doing by taking that concubine. And uh, really, Abner reminds Ishbosheth that he's the one that made him king anyway. Uh, Ishbosheth, who made you king? Won't you just shut up? You don't have the right to question me. Well, who's ruling here? And Ishbosheth is actually afraid of this man. For all intents and purposes, Abner is now control in Israel, and he's got ways now to turn things in a way that is really incredible, he becomes a master negotiator with David, a manipulator and negotiator. He is good. He is slick. Um, Joab is going to become amazed with what David does. Let's drop down into verse uh, somewhere around 22... uh, Okay, Okay. look, in verse 20 you've got Abner and 20 men with him. They come to David at Hebron. David makes a feast for Abner and the men who are with him. Abner said to David, let me arise, go gather all Israel to my lord the king. They may make a covenant with you that you may be king over all that your soul desires. So David sent Abner away and he went in peace. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid. They've been out there in battle. At Joab has. And his men and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. So Abner had been there, and we know that Joab goes out and fights, fights mightily, wins the battle, comes back, and guess who's not there? Well, that is Abner. They've got Abner. And I'm sure Joab is thinking, well, we can finish this off. And when he comes back, Joab and all the army, the 23 that was with him, arrived. They told Joab, they tell him, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has sent him away, and he has gone in peace. They, they, you know, uh, Joab is probably going to kill him. David full well knows that. Joab came to the king and said, what have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why then have you sent him away and he's gone already? What's the deal? Now that he came to deceive you and to learn if you're going out and coming in and find out all that you're doing. Don't you know that he's a spy? 
You've just blown... What in the world are you doing? That's like a commander, isn't it? And he speaks up to David. Well, I will tell you something. David doesn't have it with him. He's not going to listen. This is definitely not good news for uh, Joab. The war, you know, is not over until Abner is killed. Well, but seriously, looking at what Abner has already done, don't you think Joab's right? I mean, yeah. I think David had to make a covenant with Abner, I think, in order to get the country together. But Joab's right. Abner is up to no good. You're right. He is the enemy. He's yeah. out there, you know. He he's been killing yeah. his men, yeah. and now he comes up to him. He and just he lets him go and go in peace. And he did all that. David thing. Was he's playing. not on David's side. David was playing politics. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Yeah. David didn't really hate. Joe was had like, going, you don't play politics. Yeah. It's time to just clean the house." Yeah. yeah. But that would have divided Israel for. I mean, the people. I'm telling you, the way God gets this thing set up is just perfect. There's still one people. There's still one. Yeah, but you got the north and the south. They're not not divided yet. If David had done anything to Abner, the people in Israel would have been against David. Most likely. So God let Joab do it Mm -hmm. and then let David feel bad about it. And then all the people said, oh, well, then we love him. Yeah. <laughs> David wouldn't have done this. Well, David Joab gets his comings up in the end. Well, here we go. Let's pick it up. This, this happens quick, folks. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my, my kingdom are innocent before the Lord, for Yahweh, forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. He's, he knows what <laughs> Joab is going to do. May it fall on the head of Joab and all his father's house, and may there not fall from the house of Joab one who has a discharge, or who is a leper, or who takes hold of a distaff, or who falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner. That's it. That's, that's it for the story of Abner. He's done. Because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. So it was done by revenge of the family. And now what you have, instead of killing him in battle... But still, Joab was right. He was a dirty rat. Mm -hmm. But what you have here now is a murder involved. When battle is one thing, but now it's murder. And David said, I wash my hands away. He knew what's going to happen, but David wasn't going to change his mind. And Joab wasn't either. He stood right up to him. And I believe he's right too in, in does that. that often. What's that? Joab does that often to David. Yes, he does. He stood right up and to him. He's at, not a wimp. He yelled at David when when he killed David's son, and David was crying in the tent in the morning. Yep. He went in there. He was like, told him to get over it. <laughs> I, those words that he said, I'm like, man, you are yelling. You've at been the reading ahead again, haven't you? Nah, I just, <laughs> he's read this. <laughs> this a couple of different times. <laughs> I think it's one of his favorite sections in the Bible. It is one of my favorites, yeah. Okay, I get into genealogies and you skipped oh. verses 1 through 6. 1 through 5. In, in chapter 3? Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, when did he get all these other wives? Uh, he picked them up as it went along. And I got a feeling Solomon also learned that too. This is a sad story on David. You'd think he would have learned. Of course, a lot of it is status. You bring that in, gives you. There's power, and there's no excuse whatsoever to have multiple wives. God, right from the very beginning in Genesis one, says a man and a woman, one man, one woman, and that, and yet all throughout there, whether it be Abraham, some of the the big great. Fathers of the faith, and yet they did that too. Do you ever see where it worked out really well? Never did it work out well. Man does what he thinks is right. Hey, Samuel, or, or uh, you could say uh, Abraham did it, you know. But, okay, we need to close this out. We see there from the rest of the chapter, what you have there is David condemning this murder. Okay, and the thing is, I think from here on out, he and they have their problems, he and uh, Joab. Mm -hmm. There are times whenever Joab is pushed aside and David brings up somebody else. We'll we'll see that as it goes through here. But you see Abner there, I mean, he is faithful to uh, David's side to winning and he wants to see David to succeed and do right. And whenever he doesn't, he takes matter into his own hands, and uh, of course, he, he definitely. Joab. Oh, I know it, folks. We get this Abner out of the picture. Kill him off, and I won't deal with Abner anymore. I told you I would do that. Yeah, Joab. You guys caught it. You did better than I did. Thank you very much. I need help when we come to this. Yeah. I just want to wrap it up. Number one, we can learn something about men from our text here. Violent man Joab was. Uh, he was a man of war. David was a man of war too. He killed many. But that was supposed to be done. He murders two men really in, I guess you could say, in cold blood in a way. Abishai actually killed 300 men single-handedly in one battle. You know, that's that's his brother. He was more than willing to kill Saul. Um, but there are many commendable qualities that we see in Joab. Got that name right, did I not? Uh, he has a white hat. Sometimes he has a black hat on. But David kind of does the same thing, and that's what where we say there's only one who really is wearing the white hat constantly, and that's Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, we as Christians, yeah, we are the good guys. We're on the right side and everything, but we we have our battles and our struggles. But his death was for our sins. Christ was number two. We learned something about the murder, uh, about murder from our text, and even in that, we've seen that. Number three, uh, we see how divisions come about. And we see this guy playing this all the way on through, and he had a lot to do with them dividing. He could have united all of them, backed off, and said, "Guys, we have one king here, and this is, and I know who he is, and he's going to be." Yeah. So Abner did not do right, and he got what he ultimately deserved. Uh, even though that was not really done right either. And, uh, of course, David didn't use a lot of wisdom there at that time either, did he? So 
We learn about a lot about men and their sin, and as good as they are, we uh, and you know, got to commend. Even though they all screwed them. up, God managed to do His will. Yeah. Does that give us hope? Yes. Because there's a lot of bad and evil men out there, and God's going to be doing His thing, and He is oh, he always is. has. He's, right. nope. He's doing it, isn't He? And so that gives us a high view of God, doesn't it? Yeah. Hey, listen. Thank you guys for coming out. We got through that in an hour, folks. Two chapters. <laughs> Did that help the whole setting of that all up? When you start seeing their character and then what happened, otherwise we kind of forget about what happened in First Samuel. And now we put this together and we see really why did all this happen and you see little plans that are made by men with power and you see man that has a little bit of power and they want more power, don't they? They always do. Mm, does that tell us something? Power corrupts. Absolute power does what? Corrupts absolutely. Yeah, corrupts absolutely. Wow. Okay. Uh, I tell you what, that's, I mean, I have seen that in people that, you know, in work and stuff. And it's like complete change when they become the boss or the supervisor or, you know, from what they were like before. Yeah. And it's just. You know why that is? Because now people are bowing and scraping. People. I find it interesting. When I when I was boss at Algoa, I thought people were just my friends. I I was, you know, I mean, I just kind of got ushered in there and there wasn't any big, oh, no, you're the boss, because I was just always the boss. And I thought these people were all my friends until they booted me out of being boss and brought somebody else in. Then all these people that I thought were my friends, now they're over kissing up to the boss. It was only because I was boss. And I looked at that and I thought, wow. And, and, and then I saw the woman that came in behind me that they booted me up for. She used to be a really sweet lady until she became boss. And everybody's bowing and scraping and now she's thinking, ah, that's right. That's right, you bow and scream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was amazing to me. Yep. And then I watched the boss come in behind her, and I, same thing. Used to be a really great guy, turned into a real jerk. It was just... It's like, how does that happen? And it's because people are saying, oh, you're so good. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're so great. And then I, I was going over things that they had said to me that really didn't mean anything to me because I didn't get it. I, <laughs> I had no idea well, right over the head. Yeah, and then I realized, wow, because you can be, uh, it's like a singer or an artist or an actor. They may be just a regular Joe until somebody says, Wow, that was really good. And they go, hmm. Must be pretty good. And then good. somebody else says, Wow, that was really and pretty soon you got all these fans saying, Wow, that's really good. And then they think, Wow, I am really good. <laughs> it's sad. 
that is the nature of man. What's the what's our biggest sin? Self pride. 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 Absolutely. It's the problem, isn't it? Well, Got to beat that. That's about self. Well, guys, thanks a lot. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, great God, holy God, you uh, truly are awesome indeed. You are the master story writer, and in that you uh, show your plan being coming about. And at the same time, we see evil men working in it, and we see even men of God working in it. Uh, not always for your glory, but Lord, you put it together, and we thank you for that. And uh, we again just want to stress oh, we are so thankful for how you work in our lives Lord keep us humble Where and we take the Old Testament teachings for our good and it is for our teaching for our learning so that we would not make those mistakes in Jesus name we pray Amen